Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone to the Celtic Down Under Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host for tonight, Stephen, uh, and I'm joining me on the panel tonight is the other regular Wally. How are you doing, Wally? I'm doing all right, Stevie. Um, things have picked up, picked up at work a wee bit, picked up a new project to run, so it's all systems go for me at the moment. Yep, and I'm also delighted to be joined by the Marco Tilio of uh, the Celtic Down Under community. <laughs> uh, never sighted. Uh, Steve, how you been? It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, it has. Yeah, I thought you were going to say the less regular, Steve. But um, no, all good this side. So yeah, good to see you both. All right. So on this episode of the Deep Dive podcast, um, we're going to dive into the, the finance, the question of finances, both mainly concentrating on Celtic, of course, uh, but having a little bit of a custody look at the, the disaster area from across the city too. Uh, and we're going to see if we can make sense out of some of the recently published accounts um, from Celtic, see if we can make some sort of judgment calls on what we think is good, what we think is maybe not so good, and what we think could be done better. And what does it say about us as a club moving forward? And we'll try and tie that into the sort of success or lack of success the club's had, certainly on the European scene uh, in recent years. Um, so how does that sound, Willie? And you're on mute, you're on Willie. Mute. Sounds good to me. I'll be sort of relying heavily on Stevie down below me. Here's knowledge and all this, but um, I'll give it a go. Yeah, we should say big thanks out to Steve Smith here for putting together a lot of this information. Um, and none of us, uh, this comes with the caveat that none of us are accountants <laughs> or professionals um, in this yeah. sphere in any way, shape or form. So th- there's your disclaimer right off the bat. So take it however way you want it. Um, but here we go. All right. So the first thing we're going to talk about is um, we're going to try and shed some light on some of the terminology that, that we use, uh, that is used in football club accounts, um, a lot of it to, to, to the average fan. 
and myself included and that is, is, you know, a lot of it's kind of gobbledygook, which doesn't mean a lot. There's some buzzwords in there that you think you know what they mean. So let's pull up a slide to start with uh, and, and we'll talk a little bit about this one. Um, so, Steve, this tells us a little yeah. bit about how we report things All on right. the accounts. You want, to, you want to talk us through that? Yeah, so, yeah, let me run through it, but you guys, you know, chip in, you know, where it doesn't make sense or, or whatever, right? So when we talk about the accounts, uh, we're really talking about the statutory accounts, right? And and most football clubs run a financial year from the 1st of July to the 30th of June. And the reason they do that is that allows them to report a full season. So it's kind of feels natural, if you like, you know, so when they report on financial year, for example, 22, 23, you know that that was season 22, 23 in its entirety. So most football clubs will report their uh, annual report, you know, their annual accounts. Normally, um, well, probably around about September, October, November type time. So we'll have a look in a minute at some clubs and compare Celtic to some of those clubs. And you'll notice that some of them are, you know, the latest information we've got is still the previous season. Whereas for Celtic and for um, the Rangers, we've got uh, 22-23. So what is a set of accounts? Well, it's actually three things, right? So you have to report a balance sheet. And you have to report a profit and loss statement. And then there's a whole kind of raft of other things, you know, like the auditor report, uh, cash flow statement, you know, et cetera. Now, if you're a really small club, then the requirement's slightly different. You can actually publish like an abbreviated set of accounts. But most uh, clubs that we're looking at, you know, is pretty much that, those things there. So what are those three things, right? So balance sheet um, basically lists all the company's assets and liabilities, right? So an asset is everything from, I don't know, the training ground, um, uh, you know, player, for example, um, you know, any transport, all that kind of stuff. And a liability is just what we owe, um, you know, basically. So that could be a, a debt or a loan or, you know, um, quite often you get, you know, a trading balance, you know, where uh, we've got a liability for stuff that we've bought through the year and, you know, the, the, the payments are due and that would be recorded in the liability. And it's important to note that the balance sheet is a snapshot as at the last day of the financial year, whereas the profit and loss um, basically records over the full year span. So what happened during the year? whereas the balance sheet is just a, a snapshot. And the profit and loss, that records sales or turnover, uh, revenue, you know, and people use these terms a bit interchangeably. And um, we'll probably stick with revenue. Uh, the cost of generating that revenue, and then basically the profit or the loss for the year. And <laughs> here's, uh, here's the twist. There's multiple ways that you can actually express that profit or loss. So it can be, for example, profit before tax or profit after tax or, you know, profit before, um, you know, interest, you know, et cetera. So there's a whole raft of different ways. And we'll look at that briefly, um, you know, because I think there's a, a little bit of a twist in that. And then 
uh, the cash flow statement notes and the accounts director's reports and the auditor reports they're all fairly kind of standard inclusions in the uh, in the annual report all right so why does it really matter well you know frankly i think it matters in terms of us you know understanding where our club's at how healthy is the club is it being run professionally are we making um the best use of the funds that we've got available to us you know etc so I, I know it's not for everybody but i i think it's quite important for us you know as the true kind of owners if you like of the club to understand how the club is being run all right, and I, look, there's a lot of confusion creeps in, you know, particularly around um, players, you know, when we buy a player or when we sell a player, how that gets reported or recorded. So I thought we would just do a little worked example using um, Stuart Armstrong, I think that is, uh, with his marvellous hair. Um, so we'll look at that in a moment. But just very quickly, when we buy a player, um, technically that becomes, they become an asset on our balance sheet. Yeah. Now, how we account for the player purchase versus how we actually pay for the player purchase, you know, quite different things. And you'll hear the term amortization or amortizing the player's contract over the length of the contract. And all that really means is as far as accounting is concerned, so not cash flow, but as far as accounting is concerned, we spread the transfer fee over the duration of the player's contract. And we'll look at that in a moment. Um, and that gets recorded in the profit and loss statement, right? So we buy a player, they get recorded as an asset in the balance sheet, and then we account for them over the course of the duration of the contract, and that gets accounted in the profit and loss as player amortization. Um, now, it is possible, uh, you know, if you think uh, a jetty or Barcas or, or, you know, some of our less uh, successful purchases, it is possible mid-contract that the club might think, actually, do you know what? That player is not worth as much as we've got recorded in the balance sheet. And they can actually reduce the value in the balance sheet of that asset. And that's called an impairment. And it's quite important because, as you'll see in a moment, um, you know, clubs do some smart things with some of that stuff. All right. And when it comes to the point where we sell a player, uh, then the, the asset gets wiped off the value of the balance sheet and then the profit and loss is recorded um, in the player sales line but not in the revenue line. So a lot of people think, ah, oh, you know, if we sell uh, Matt O'Reilly next year, you know, it'll have a massive impact on revenue. It doesn't. There's no impact on revenue whatsoever. Um, it only impacts the player sales line and then obviously the profit lines beneath that. All right, so a little worked example with Stuart Armstrong. Uh, we bought him in February 2015 uh, for a couple of million pounds, four year deal. He would be recorded as an asset on the balance sheet, two million pounds worth, yeah? And when it comes to the point where we publish the 2015, 2016 accounts, yeah, that's right, 2015, no, actually it would have been 2014, 2015, but anyway, it doesn't matter. And we actually reduce the value of the asset and we make a charge to the profit and loss of player amortization, you know, because it was four years, two million pound contract, you know, so half a million uh, pound per year. Same thing the following year. And then when we sell them, we reduce the asset to zero on the balance sheet 
and then we actually book the profit in the profit loss. Um, and it's important to note that the actual profit that gets booked is against the book value. So not against you know how much we paid for them. So we paid two million pound four years ago. We sell them for seven. We don't book a profit of five million. We actually book whatever the profit is, so seven million against whatever we've got him recorded as in the in the balance sheets. So in this example here, we'd actually book a six million pound profit. Willie, Steve, I, I don't know if I've mangled that completely. If that makes sense, you know, any points of clarification or any uh, you know anything you want to add. No, I think it's, you, you've you've explained it quite well. I mean, you can that asset you can if he signs a new contract that that amortization period that 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 figure will go down to be lesser, would it not? Like instead of being asset exactly. of one million, yeah. it would go down yeah. to another half a million. I think you see some of the yeah, bigger clubs, Chelsea. They use this yeah. great yeah. effect. They, they, they spend two hundred million one window, three hundred million another window. When in reality, is they only spend twenty million in one window and. 10, uh, 30 million in the next window and the players are on 10-year contracts. Exactly. So. And and we'll see in a minute why that's important because um, it basically impacts the financial fair play uh, calculation. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert. Yeah, I'm not an expert in any of this, but I'm certainly not an expert in that. Um, but you're absolutely right, Willie. They, they have been using 10-year contracts, you know, really, really spreading the contract value over multiple years you know and that really puts them in a much more favorable financial um light it's just massaging yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad you made, you mentioned amortization there because you know that's one of the words i was talking about where you know you see it thrown around an awful lot and you know but i don't think anybody really knows exactly what it means personally i thought it was a term invented by paul 67 on celtic quick news uh, back in the day yeah. to, try and, yeah. <laughs> to try and befuddle some people when he was launching his stout defence in a board. But no, that's good. It was good that we uh, good that we got that that explanation, Steve. Yeah. And I don't know, Steve, if you want to bring up the the next slide, it kind of shows how these things all come together within the profit and loss. So ignore the balance sheet for a minute and the cash flow, just focusing on the profit and loss, right? So starting from the top left and working our way to the bottom right, you basically, you start with revenue, you know, or turnover, you know, whatever you want to call it, sales or, you know, whatever. And um, I think Willie and I both follow uh, Swiss Ramble guy on Twitter that, you know, he's an absolute gun at this kind of stuff. He reports across all these different clubs and he typically breaks it down into three things. So match day revenue, broadcasting, you know, whatever TV deal we've got, and then commercial. Um, And I think it'd be fair to say, Willie, I think you're across this better than me. I think Celtic's match day revenue um, as a percentage of total revenue is one of the highest, isn't it? We're very dependent on match day. Is that right? Yeah, I think we're up in the 50-something percent. Is it 51% or something that I saw? Um, Whereas you would look at someone like Man City and it's down at like 20%. And they'll mm-hmm. they'll sit at sixty percent for their TV revenue. Was we're we're about thirty percent for TV, thirty forty percent for TV revenue. It's it, our mm-hmm. match day is key to us. Like match day and commercial, whereas our broadcasting is minimal. Whereas yeah. Premier League no, clubs, yeah. it's all about the broadcasting. 
Yeah. No, you're bang on. All right. And then we we get this other income, which technically isn't kind of generated from the business, as it were. It's just other income that almost falls in your lap, if you like. So the example we used previously was insurance during COVID season. You know, we you know we got some insurance clause, and in fact, in our accounts for twenty two twenty three, there's about thirteen and a half million, uh, which we'll see in a minute, which is made up of compensation for Ange going to Spars, and also this business interrupted uh, interruption insurance, right? So you've got this other income if you like, right? So we add those two things. And then we take off wages and salaries, which is a really significant cost to the club, obviously. Um, and then other expenses, which is a kind of catch-all for, you know, policing or, you know, running the stadium or whatever it is. And you get something. Paying for, uh, paying for, fancy, paying for fancy Christmas videos. Oh, I thought you were going to say for fancy heated drives. I think that was the other thing that we, we just did. Um, and at the end of that, so after we take revenue, we add in the other income, we take off the wages and salaries and these other expenses, we end up with something called earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and Stevie's favourite, amortisation, which is a bit of a mouthful, so people shorten that to EBITDA. So there you go. Right. So that's one of the first measures of profit you know so you can compare and we'll, we'll we'll make an observation about our um uh you know our, our rivals across the city you could you should be able to compare clubs in terms of their their earnings if you like their ebitda um and understand how they're doing relative to one another uh, all things being equal so you then take that EBITDA and then you add or subtract the exceptional items, right? And that can be, for example, in I think Rangers uh, accounts for this year, I think they had some form of legal costs. I know, shocker, um, and resolution of contractual wow. settlements. They, they included it in there, you know, so that's <laughs> exceptional items. And then we get these three things, which is non-cash flow expenses, right? So the player amortization. So if you remember Stuart Armstrong, the half a million that we took each year over his four-year contract or Willie's example of um, Kyogo, you know, when we extend his contract, you know, the, the, his amortization probably gets spread over a, a longer period. That gets all summed up and we take that off as part of non-cash flow expense. And then if you remember our example of, um, uh, let's say, Barkas, maybe partway through the contract, the board looked at him and said, actually, he's not worth the book value that we've got currently. You know, he's maybe showing us a book value of five million. No, we're not having that. We're, we're going to drop his value to a couple of million. Well, you would take that hit in this number here, this player impairment. And then depreciation is just other assets that you depreciate over over the life cycle of the assets. So, for example, um, you know, the technology or the laptops or, you know, um, Gavin Strachan's laptop or whatever, that might have a two-year uh, asset life, if you like. The cost of that gets depreciated over, the, over that. Now, when you do that, you take the EBITDA, you add or subtract exceptional items, you take off the non-cash flow expenses, you end up with an operating profit or loss. Yeah. 
And then we add in the profit on player sales and you get profit or loss before interest and tax. And in fact, if you look at that, I've just noticed that. You see that that very first profit, if you like, the EBITDA, is the earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. Well, this line in the middle has got depreciation and amortization. You know, so you can almost see that the naming kind of you know making sense as it were, right? So by the time you add in the profit on player sales, you get profit loss before interest and tax. And then net interest payable, you get profit loss before tax. And then finally, taxation credit or charge, and you get this profit loss after tax. Now, so what you can see is the five boxes on the right-hand side, the black boxes, they're all different measures, if you like, of profit, different ways of expressing profit. I thought they were standard um kind of calculations or formula, you know, to get to them. But uh, it turns out, actually, you can make it up as you go along, uh, depending on, um, you know, depending on your, your point of view. Now, the other thing we would add in here is, and I think this is still the case for the financial fair play or FSR, the financial sustainability, um, the wages and salaries divided by, sorry, that shouldn't be minus, divided by revenue turnover gives you the wages to turnover ratio. And you'll hear people talk about, oh yeah, our wages are 70% of revenue or you know whatever it is. And that's, that's a really important ratio um, for that. All right, so I'll pause there. Um, boys, any, any, anything to add to that? Are you fairly okay with that? Before we look at um, Celtics 22, 23 figures. No, yeah, so my question is, um, Steve, is this all regulatory for PLCs only or is there any specific reporting um, that, 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 that involves public, you know, public limited companies only? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to dive it here. We're a PLC. Rangers aren't a PLC. Would they have any different, you know, reporting requirements? Yeah, it, it's it's a good question. So I think... If you're listed on the stock exchange, you know, then I think, you know, there's there's an expectation that you'll publish in a, a kind of standard format, you know, the accounts that we mentioned earlier. If you're a private company, uh, it's a good question, Steve. I don't know. Sorry. Don't know. All right. Okay, no worries. Um, um, Rangers, Rangers are listed, though, aren't they? They're just not listed on a, on a very liquid uh, exchange. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think it's like that, like I, so. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Back street stock exchange. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Wally, yeah. any, any add before I move on? No, I'm happy enough for that. I'm happy to move on there. Okay. Is it a question that Rangers are listed on, no? <laughs> yeah, I can't remember, Wally. I'll, I'll have a look in a minute. I'll have a look in a minute. All right, so right. here we go. So, right. here's the so actual, this is the actual numbers. Hey. Here's the actual numbers, right? So that was the kind of template, if you like, that we looked at a minute ago. And this is our actual numbers for financial year 22-23, season 22-23, yeah? So we had record revenue at just shy of 120 million sterling, pounds sterling, right? And we've we've included the euro figures here as well because we're going to have a little look and compare 
to some of our European peers. It's just easier just to um, you know do it in a single currency. Um, so I think that was a record. We'll have a look at in a minute about um, at our kind of history, if you like, of revenue, um, and we'll see you know how that comes in. And then we had this additional other income of thirteen and a half million, three and a half for Ange, um, going off to Spurs, and ten million for business interruption insurance. So. It's worth pausing there just for a second because you'll see some of the narrative that says, oh, yeah, you know, Celtic, 120 million revenue, you know, massive, um, uh, massive year. Um, but there were some non-recurring items in that. You know, we're not going to get Ange compensation every year or that business interruption insurance that was a one-off item. They're separate, right? So the revenue is all generated from the club, the company, hundred just shy of 120 million, and the 13 and a half million, that was separate, completely separate. So don't get um, you know, kind of the rule pulling over your eyes in terms of, oh yeah, you know, but some of that 120 million was non-recurring. That is all typical of, you know, a, a normal year, if you like. Or not a normal year, but it could be a normal year. All right, and from that, we paid just shy of 61 million sterling wages and salaries, and we had other expenses of almost 32 million. So that gives us, do you remember that, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization, or EBITDA, that gave us an EBITDA figure of about just about 41 million. Pretty healthy, which we'll look at in a moment. All right, we then had a, a couple of exceptional items, kind of noise really, you know, 100,000. And then we had these non-cash flow expenses. So player amortization, 12 million. And bear in mind, that's the all different lengths of contracts, all ag added up, aggregated up, you know, so there'll be all sorts in there. Uh, player impairment, we didn't have any player impairment this year, but we did last year, right? So um we haven't got it here but last year we actually took a hit of six million sterling in player impairment you know so we looked at the contracts the book value of our players and we said no we're going to actually take six million pounds out of our operating profit because we can't hand on heart look at the value of those players and say yeah you know that you know that's an accurate valuation but we had no uh, player impairment this year and then depreciation of three million pounds, uh, which is you know fairly typical, you know for a company our size or a club our size. So that gave us an operating profit or loss of twenty six million or twenty five point seven. And again, you know this is all just normal running of company type stuff. And then we added in fourteen million for profit on player sales. And I have to say, I've got a question for you guys here in the annual report. That talks about Juranovic, um, Jakimakis, and Jota. But I thought Jota was sold after the 30th of June. So I was kind of surprised to see that included there. And even the number, you know, the profit on player sales. So, you know, I can't remember what we got for JJ and Gigi. Um, but it feels like 14 million isn't, isn't a huge amount for all three of them. It was eight and a half million we got for Juranovic and four 
point something for Jack and Marcus. So that would hmm. that might be maybe got, Jota's not in there. Well, we got we got twenty five million for Jota, but that a lot of yeah. that some of that went a chunk of that went to Benfica. Yeah. So I think yeah, the nineteen million was what was our cut of that, and I think you would maybe have to deduct. The, you know the, what we paid for Jota off of that, which mm. I think was short of seven million. So yeah, if you do all if you do all that, you're getting close to that figure. So you know I don't I don't think it's a unless you know it's possible that the figures that we be quoted are not entirely accurate. Um, mm. Maybe we didn't get twenty five. Maybe we only get twenty one or something like that. Um, so I'm not sure, but I agree with you, Steve. I, I don't I, I wouldn't have thought that the Jota money would be included in these accounts. Definitely mentions it though in the annual report, Steve. So I, I was quite surprised. Yeah. But was that in a, was that like in the, was that like in the chairman's statement? <laughs> we'll come on to our uh, our esteemed chairman in a moment. But um, <laughs> is that yeah, not what anything he says? <laughs> yeah, is that not the amortization figure though? The... No, no. This is the profit on player sales. So um, I'm just looking it up. Uh, Wally, I don't think I don't think you've been listening, Wally. Come on. But I, I'm, I'm just I'm looking at the profit and player sales, and then I'm looking at the row above. Player amortization is the same figure, fourteen million. Yeah, I just think that's coincidence. No gain on sale of player registrations, fourteen point four million, and it explicitly makes reference to Jota. It says, uh, blah blah blah. You know, fourteen point four million gain on sale of player registrations, predominantly from the sales of Jota, Juranovic, and Jakimakis. Anyway, look, I'm I'm just surprised. I, I think I thought Jota went after the year end, you know, thirtieth of June. Um, I thought it was early July, and it might be that the deal was done in June, but only just communicated in July. You know, we don't know. And how much? How much did we spend before the thirtieth of June? Obviously, the window wasn't open, was it? When does the yeah, window open? First like... of July. I think it is the yeah. first of July, is it not? Yeah, so we can't we can't spend any money before the first of July. So yeah, and we couldn't. You know, technically, you couldn't transfer anyone. Yeah, but bear in mind the money that we spent shows up here as player amortization that just gets added into the player amortization you know so you you don't get a you know so what do we what do we spend on palmer um you know five million six million or whatever uh three and a half you know you don't get a three and a half million charge you know what would you you would get is you know five-year contract three and a half million you know whatever that is uh you know added to the player amortization you know anyway look whether Jota's in there or not, it's, it's noted in the annual report, you know, explicitly, you know, we have to take it on face value. Um, so the profit loss before interest and tax, 40 million sterling, a little bit of interest there, which bumps up to nearly 41. And then uh, because we pay our tax, um, 7.4 million comes off that to get to the profit loss after tax, 33.3 million. So, look, I know that's a lot of information, um, but, you know, fundamentally, you start with revenue, we add in some other income, we take off wages, other expenses, and then, you you know, you go through each line of that and you get to the, the ultimate bottom line, which is the profit loss after tax. 
I wonder um, if that see that see the taxation charge of seven point four million is that higher than it than it normally is, or is that kind of uh, normal? Do you think for a for an annual account? So our accounts last year, it was actually a taxation credit. Oh no, it wasn't. I'm talking rubbish. Um, our accounts last year there was a very small taxation charge of three hundred k. Um, but we had a far, obviously a far lower profit um, before tax. You know, we only had six million last year, where we've got nearly forty-one this year. So, yeah, uh, that's interesting, know. isn't it? That's interesting, isn't it? That if we, you know, you know, the bigger the profit you report, the higher the tax you're going to pay. Mm. So, yeah. is it an argument in there for saying you should be reporting basically less of a profit? You should be trying to spend more to to reduce your profit. To, to reduce well, your tax liability. I mean, I mean, I'm not, sh I'm not sure that would be the best reason to do it. But I actually do think there is a case for us spending more because, mm. and we'll come on to it in a moment. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute too. It, it's it's ridiculous, Steve. You know, it really is. But we'll, we'll look at that in a minute. And but yeah, you could make the argument. But I think that's a. I don't think it's the best reason, if you like. You know, to just avoid paying tags. You know, um, yeah. All right. All right. So okay, next um, next slide. Or what you finished with this one? Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of conscious it is a lot of information, but just very quickly on that wages to turnover ratio. I know we had an unusually high revenue figure this year, 120 million. We'll look at that in a moment. How that compares to historical figures. Our wages haven't really changed in years again we'll look at that but that gives us a 51 percent wage to turnover ratio which is really really low um you know i think from memory you know anything above 80 percent uh you know starts to get attention um you know that's crazy low so yeah all right stevie do you want to take us to the next all right here we go so this one is a context against um, yeah. how we've done in previous years. Yeah. So it is a record revenue number for us. So if you look at the chart in the top right there, you know, the 119.9, so 120 million uh, between you and I, you know, we did 88 the previous year, 61 the year before that, albeit those two years were impacted by COVID. Um, you know, and you can see the history, you know, so the, our previous record was in 2017, 2018, when we did about 102 million, you know, so again, don't let this whole furphy of the Ange money or the business interruption, you know, insurance claim or whatever, you know, is in 119.9 is not, this is just revenue from our normal operations, if you like. Yeah. Um, Steve, so you, you did a bit of looking at Champions League versus Europa League. Do you want to just remind me because you know you know how good my memory is, but do you want to just talk us through maybe some of the highlights of some of that European competition and how you know how we can see it on the chart? Yeah. Okay. So I'll um I'll see if I can pull this up actually just so you can uh, you can run through it. So I'll stop. I'll I'll hide this one just now. Let me see what I can do here.
Okay, can you see that? Yes. All right. So Celtic in Europe, and I actually went back seven seasons. So can you can you still see your chart there, Steve? I can. Is there yeah. any particular yeah. season you're interested in? Um, no, I mean maybe just maybe just pick out the Champions League one because I, I think the the theory is, let's be honest, Champions League they're the seasons where yeah. we do really well financially. You know, yeah. that's the, the kind of argument if you like. So, yeah. I think the pick of the last few, and I think that's shown up from the, the chart that you showed earlier, was 2017-2018, which was, you know, peak peak Brendan Rodgers. Um, and strangely enough, that was the last time we actually won a game in the Champions League. So, um, um, so we beat Astana 8-4 in aggregate in the, the qualifying round. Um, we landed up in a group with Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain uh, and Anderlecht. And despite taking a couple of pumpings off Paris Saint-Germain, um, we managed to finish third in the group, although we, we only had three points, because um, I think that's because we beat Anderlecht once, and that was enough. Uh, a head-to-head record against them was enough to see us into third place in the group. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, three points is kind of like our average points hole whenever we're in the Champions League groups. So we weren't really any better than average that time, but we did we did qualify for the Europa League round of 32, where we lost to Zenit St. Petersburg. I think we won 1-0 at home and then lost 3-0 away. Um, so that, that was 2017-2018. Um, 2018-2019, again, we, we lost the qual. That was a disastrous season. We lost the qualifying round to EEK Athens. Uh, dropped into the, I think we had to play a qualifier for the Europa Leagues. Uh, and then we get into a group with RB Salzburg, RB Leipzig and Rosenberg. Um, mm. But we actually finished second in that group with nine points. Uh, and then lost to Valencia again in the round of 32. 1920, um, we lost in the Champions League third qualifying round to Cluj, um, 5 4 mm. on aggregate. Um, and we ended up in the Europe. We had to play a, a qualifier. I think we played Sarajevo. I could be wrong about that to qualify for the Europa League groups, and then ended up playing Cluj again in the groups uh, along with Lazio and Rennes. And we actually finished top of that group, which was really good when you think about it. Uh, when you we put it in the context of our recent European record, to finish top of that group it was excellent. Uh, but, of course, uh, we then lost to a team we should have been beaten. Uh, we got beat off FC Copenhagen in round of 32, 4-2 on aggregate. 2021 um, was the COVID season, so we ended up with a weird uh, one-off qualifying tie at home against Ferenc Varos, uh, and we conspired to lose the unlosable game um, and managed to drop again into the Europa League group stages. Uh, where we played Sparta Prague, AC Milan and Lille. Um, we finished bottom of that group with four points. You know, So one more point than we, than we normally get, but we still finished bottom of the group. 21-22. Stevie, I think that was the, the Sarajevo qualifying uh, game. Oh, right, okay. yeah. I, I actually I went to that game in Sarajevo. We were on a family holiday and... Um, uh, Oh God, can't you remember? And uh, I thought, oh yeah, you know, I'll just duck over to Sarajevo for the game. 
It's like a six-hour <laughs> drive. <laughs> it's like all these really treacherous roads. Really like um, they look like that in a bap, does it? No. <laughs> I used to be one country. I'll just nip over it. It'll be quite quick now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so next 21-22, uh, which was the Anxious first season. Uh, so we, we played the Champions League qualifiers with, um, I think, Stephen Welsh. And, and was it Dane? <laughs> is it? Dane Murray, yeah. Dane Murray. Set a half against Mitchell and... Done all right, to be fair. We lost to them 3-2 in aggregate. We were a little bit unlucky, uh, but ended up in the Europa Leagues again with Bayer Leverkusen, Real Betis and Ferenc Varos. A couple of notable wins against Ferenc Varos at home in the middle of the afternoon, which is a bit weird, uh, and Real Betis in the last game of that group when we um, you know, we, we, we fielded a, a, like half a team with a lot of youth players in it, um, and we beat them. And then Uruguiri played that, that night, didn't he? Yeah. Say that again? <laughs> Urugiri, he ended up getting a game. Yeah, that's right. He made all sorts of guys in that team. Yeah. You know, I'm going to see Liam Scales might have played in that game as well at some point. Quite possible, aye. Um, you know, maybe my mind's played tricks on me, but I could have swore. Anyway, we finished third in the group with nine points. I mean, you know, nine points. That would normally yeah. get you. We finished top of a group with nine points um, a yeah. couple of seasons previously. And then, of course, we lost to the old um, you know, Wi-Fi password, <laughs> um, 5-1 on aggregate, which was an absolute disaster, especially yeah. the home game. Um, so that's, I think that was when you know people started asking questions about Angie's plan B or, or lack thereof. So 22-23, uh, the luxury of automatic Champions League qualification, uh, drawn in a group with Real Madrid, Shakhtar Derets and RB Leipzig, finished fourth with two points and straight out of Europe. In this season, 23-24, to be confirmed, but I think we can safely assume that the following is quite accurate. Um, again, automatic group stage qualification in a group with Atletico Madrid, Feyenoord and Lazio. And we're currently sitting fourth with one point with two games left. So I think we can safely assume that we're going to finish fourth again in the group uh, and, and drop straight out of Europe. So... That's our, our, our European record um, in recent years. Um, so I'll just pull that um, that slide back yeah. up again and we can maybe try and contextualise that a bit. Yeah, because I think what we wanted to show was, and there's a whole debate about, you know, is, is participating in Champions League, is that enough for us as a team? What really is our aspiration? You know, what's reasonable... You know, would it make more sense for us to be playing in the Europa League, you know, blah, blah, blah. But from a financial perspective, we can see that Champions League makes a massive difference to our revenue line, right? And, you know, the, the relationship between revenue and profit is is pretty, you know, pretty hardcore. If you look at the bottom chart, the green line is the revenue line. So over a slightly longer period than, than the chart above. The grey line at the bottom is our profit or loss. And you can see it pretty much follows the, the revenue line in terms of shape, you know, pretty closely. So we know that Champions League makes a massive difference. You know, if you just look from 2016-17 onwards, our highest revenue years have been where we've made Champions League, you know, by quite a distance, really. Um, the difference between a Europa League year a Champions League year is about 20 million to us in normal terms, you know, there or thereabouts. And 
it's kind of interesting. We'll have a look at cash in a moment and, you know, some comments from Peter Lowell. You know, but what we basically do is where we don't qualify for Champions League, we proactively sell one or more players, you know, and, and we basically try and make up for profit by selling a player. And bear in mind, selling a player doesn't impact the revenue line. It only feeds into the profit line. So we try and maintain profit, if you like, by selling you know, a, a player. The other interesting thing, if you look at that yellow line in the bottom chart, I don't know how easy it is to read, but basically our wages, they've not really changed much in the last five or six years. 2017, 2018, our wages was 59.3 million. And fine, that was a Champions League year. So there would have been Champions League bonus involved in that. But you compare that to this year, 60.9 million, you know, it's what, 1.6, you know, extra over five years. You know, it's, they've hardly grown whatsoever, you know, so it's, you know, I don't know, I just you know whether we're actually, yeah. I think they it is really salary and, cap, you know what I mean? That 20k, 30k for the top earners, they just stick rigidly to that. I think that changed. If I you thought, look at 2016 17, when Rogers first came in, he did say yeah. to the board, Look, you're gonna have to start paying these players more money. And you look at the jump from 30, 36.9 million to 52 million, that, that was when Rogers first yeah. came in and he started giving a more competitive wage. And that salary cap went, would have went up from 20 to the 30k mark and now you see mm. you might have top earners now will be on 35k so it's just a natural progression it's slightly going up it's just steadily going up you know what i mean it's not so tell me this, Willie. um you know the the contract extensions for kyogo for dyson and then you know calmac as well um yeah. when were they was that, was that this season that was this season. Brendan Rodgers came in and gave the three of them new deals. Right. So I think what we'll probably see then, to your point, is next year's account, so 23, 24, yeah. we'll probably see a lift from that 60.9. Okay. Fair you, might, uh, you might go up to 65 million then. I think, I think it's worth pointing out, though, that um, when Henry Glasson signed his bumper contract with Celtic in, in 2001, um, he was reportedly, anyway, earning 40,000. Uh, pounds a week with Celtic um, and that was like a quarter of a century ago almost um, mm. and if you fast forward to today I doubt maybe maybe Carl McGregor with his new deal uh, but I, I'd be surprised if anyone was earning 40 grand a week here mm. so a maximum earner hasn't really changed in, in 22 yeah. years um, and I think you know when you consider the value of money and how that's changed over 22 years yeah. Um, I've no idea what your 40 grand a week back in 2001 would be worth today. Mm. Um, I'd say at least double, you know, but, uh, you know, just yeah. pulling a figure out of my dear. Uh, we're nowhere near that. So we, we're definitely, and I understand the Martin O'Neill eras kind of stand out on their own, whereas, we, you know, we bought in some big players uh, who are never going to, you know, get us, we're never going to make us a profit when we sold them on. They, 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 their, their value just yeah. dropped because they were of a certain age, certain profile. Um, but I think it's important to point that out, though, isn't it? That that, that we're still paying our top earner the same as we were, you know, back back mm. all those years ago. And to your point, though, Steve, we're we're actually paying them less because inflation means that forty k now is not the same as forty k then. The other thing is yeah. our wage bill. Let's call it sixty one million. Um, Rangers sixty four million. 
So Rangers actually have got a higher wage bill than than Celtic. And you think, you know, they must have cleared. Actually, no, it's for last year. I was just about to say they must have cleared a lot of, um, you know, hefty wages off, you know, off the books with uh, Morelos and Ryan Kent, etc. But that's that'll be shown in next year's account. Sorry, well, they cleared oh. a they cleared a hefty centre forward off the books. Say again. Conor Goldson's the top burner in Scotland. I think he's on thirty eight k, but. Kimar Roof is on thirty six thousand a week or something like that. I read somewhere. Yeah. Is it thirty five thousand yeah, a week? Um, For a guy who's a sitting on the treatment table, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. All right. So look, that's that's in context, right? So that's you know looking at the kind of history where the revenue has been historically. You can see one hundred and nineteen point nine million. You know that beats our previous. Uh, revenue by what's that 18 million or so you know so really really good year um you know and, and we'll see the impact of that in a moment steve can you can you take us to the next picture slide Here we go. all right this is a bit busy but bear with me this is the thing that i don't know about you guys but this is the thing that really riles me probably more than anything you know so we look at the the accounts you look at the cash you know, the cash balance or the cash equivalent. And we've got 72 million sterling, 83 million euros sitting in, you know, effectively, you know, the, the bank account, if you like, you know. Um, and to me, that just doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't think it makes sense in general terms anyway. You know, we're a football club. Our purpose is to put as strong a team on the field as possible you know, to be competitive in everything that we do. And yet we're sat there with 72 million in reserve, you know, and I'll be honest, I know I disagreed with you two when we were reviewing the, the transfer window. My view is we don't have to splurge the money in one single transfer window. I'm quite happy to see us, you know, do something in the winter and then do something again in the summer. You know, so I'm, I'm okay with spreading it out over multiple windows. But sitting there with 72 million to me, and that's before this year's Champions League money, just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So um, it's kind of interesting. Peter Lowell, you know, he talks about five or six different things. Oh, we're going to make a significant investment in Barrafield. Or, oh, you know, the 2023 summer transfer window, we funded that from this cash. Well, actually, hang on a minute. Peter, you know, with all due respect, we spent 22 million, but we brought in 35 million. So I don't know how much funding that actually required. Or And we're paying for, you know, two seasons, big spend over the last two seasons, outstanding installments. Well, why? Why aren't we just paying them as per the schedule? And the financial sustainability rules, they're really important. Yet yeah, we're sat at 51%, you know. Even if you look at last year, we were at 67%. And then, and this is the, the kind of kicker, you know, or we need a cash buffer because, you know, if we don't qualify for the Champions League, then it has a massive impact. Well, if we reckon it's about £20 million difference between Champions League and Europa League, there or thereabouts, we basically could fail three seasons in a row and, and not have to adjust our spending whatsoever. We could just consume the cash reserves. It just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, so any thoughts on no. that before we look at 
comparing ourselves to uh, some European peers. That last one there about the, the the buffer for the Champions League, that's something I've said a couple of times, is that Celtic aim their finances to be a Europa League club. And if they make the Champions League, it's just seen as an added bonus. And that kind of sort of backs that theory up to me when I look at it in black mm. and white in front of me like this. See, I, I, I'm like you, Steve. I just don't understand it. You know, we're told that, you know, um, Peter Lowell... And, um, you know, regardless of what PLO's role at the club is, you know, I know he's, he's in a non-executive role at the moment and um, he's not supposed to be influencing day-to-day policy. Um, but he is, and I think that's much is absolutely clear. He's got his placemen all through the club now. You've got Michael Nicholson, who was his lawyer previously. He's got his son, um, who's, who's in a key role in recruitment. And the whole club has been run in his image. Uh, and we can see you can see from your graphs there that the cash in the bank is just jumping higher and higher every year. Um, and to me, it just looks as if they're petrified to spend money. They're so risk averse, they just don't know what to do. They clearly don't have the right people in place with a vision to see this is how we can spend the money. Anybody who's ever run a company, and I have I've never run my own business, but anybody who has a business will tell you. If you're sitting with a big chunk of money in the bank, then that's a waste because that that money could be used to grow your business. Yeah. You could be using that to grow your revenue. So that's poor business practice. You know, when I hear about, you know, Celtic are such a really well-run business, this doesn't scream that to me. This no. screams at a risk-averse business um, which doesn't have the vision or doesn't have the talent on board to, to, to bring that into a reality. Uh, and I just thought, you know, Lowell's, Excuses here for having this um, this um, amount of money in the bank just don't pass the pub test. To be honest with mm-hmm. you, you know as long as you're saying what you know we're th- we're setting ourselves up to fail in Europe in case we fail in Europe. Yeah, you know that that, mm-hmm. that, that yeah. I can't be the only one to see the absurdity of that. that that's just a, a, a nonsense thing to say um, mm-hmm. when you put it in those terms. So I, I, I don't get it. And, and that's—I think no. people have got the right to ask that question. I, do you know what, though, Steve? I—I I, I can't remember when the AGM is. I, I listened to um, Celtic Underground Pod today. Really good if you get a chance to listen to it. And uh, Harry was saying, "Oh yeah, you know, AGM coming up, blah blah blah." Somebody should be asking this question, and hopefully, you know, forcibly asking the question as to. You know why are we sitting there with that kind of reserve? Because it, it just doesn't make sense. And it's it's interesting, right? So we started to have a look. You know how you know how we like to compare ourselves to uh, European peers. So we had a look at well, actually, how does that compare? Because you know it might be that everybody's got that kind of cash, and you know what the hell are we worrying about? But no, that's certainly not the case. I looked at EPL, the Championship, La Liga. Serie A and Eredivisie, and then some clubs from Germany and Portugal. Basically, um, and this is where we've got some accounts from last year, some from this year, um, but basically we had the 10th largest cash balance of all those clubs that I looked at, right? So nearly 100-odd clubs, um, we had the 10th largest cash balance, right? So Barcelona sat there with 311 million euros, Spurs 260 million, West Ham 112, Napoli, Atletico Madrid, Inter 
Man City, Man United, and then Celtic on 83 million euros, right? And that's part of the story. But to be honest with you, Barcelona, 311 million uh, euros in cash, but their revenue is 800 million, right? So they're a different organization to us. They're almost six times, seven times larger than us, right? So them having 311 million you know, it doesn't really equate. So what I did was I said, okay, well, let's look at the cash balance in the context of revenue, right? And when you do that, we're actually the third most cash for revenue of all those clubs that we looked at. So only Udinese and Napoli have got a higher ratio of cash for their revenue line. It's, it's ridiculous. It really, really is ridiculous. You know, we, you know, we've got more than half our annual revenues as cash reserves, right? And that was on a big year, 120 million uh, sterling year. Sorry, I know I'm mixing sterling and euros, but it was a big year. If we look at that, you know, 72 million sterling, 83 million euros on our normal, you know, what would be our normal year, I'm pretty sure we would have the highest cash to revenue um, of any club that we looked at. And then I thought, oh, maybe it's just this year, you know, but no, if you actually look at Celtic 21-22 in the chart on the right, you know, we were probably the ninth or 10th, you know, in cash to revenue uh, position, you know, last year. So it's just not right. You know, we're, we're basically, we've got all these reserves, you know, to your point, Steve, we, we should be deploying that to benefit the club more generally, you know, and it just feels like we're, you know, we're far too, um, you know, risk averse, far too conservative. I mean, you're talking about there getting questions asked at the AGM, Steve, but good luck with that. Um, yeah. I've actually, I don't know if you heard yourself, but I've been to a couple of AGMs in the past that I, I've got a couple of shares in Celtic, completely stage-managed stuff here. Uh, and the problem is you get you get an opportunity to ask a question, but it's very random. And, you know, there's as many people mm-hmm. asking a question about how cold the pies are um, as there is asking genuine, proper questions. Yeah. And in the off chance you get somebody asking a question, there's no right or rebuttal. So you'll ask that question... Mm-hmm. Hello, or whoever, or rhyme off, just repeat ad nauseum the, the excuses he's gave there, and you've got no way of, of questioning that. That just then gets put in the record, right? We've answered you next. What about the pies? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. there's never anything going to come out of an AGM. It's that you've got so many, you've got so many shares accounted for in the top four or five shareholders that, that you know, mm-hmm. you've got no chance of making any significant change. You think back to the benchmarking pod that the three of us did, and in general, we were saying, look, for a club of our size, a club of our fan base, a club of our revenue, a club of our profit, a club with our wage bill, we are massively underperforming in Europe. Yeah, do you remember, you know, this to me is exactly it, you know, because we are a big-ish club, you know, that's a big-ish number in terms of cash and you know, our revenue is, you know, a good year, you know, we're a big club, blah, blah, blah. But we're not acting like it. You know, we're actually, you know, 
you know, we're just, we're, yeah, we're just not acting like it at all. Yeah. Depressing, really. I'm saying five players with two million each, and rather than push the vote and get one player at 10 million, who make a significant difference to the squad. They'd rather pin their hopes on finding mm -hmm. one rough out of the five than getting one who will actually do the business for you. But, you know, my view on that is uh, it's not one size fits all, right? So we do need yeah. to buy project players. Right? I hate the term because it's really yeah, disrespectful yeah, yeah, yeah. to them. But we do have to buy some. But that should be part of a mix of, right, and here's a ready-made player that's going to be straight into the first team and is going to make a massive difference, right? So you look at when we bought a Jota or a um, CCV, you know, the difference they made. Right, okay, do that with a left-back. Do that with a goalkeeper, right? So one of the other things I've been working on is a little bit of kind of player comparison. You know, how, how do Celtics players compare to... Um, you know, other SPFL players or, or European players or whatever, you know, I love Joe Hart. He's made a big difference, but he's costing us goals now. He's yeah. costing us goals, you know, and you look at, you know, what the Rangers have bought, you know, Butland's saving them goals compared to yeah. last year, right? So, uh, you know, the, these are fine margins, you know. Uh, I don't know. It just feels like, it kind of goes back to one of our suggestions from that benchmarking was it feels like the board's quite happy just to be a smidge above Rangers and, yeah. you know, to Stevie's point, you know, yeah, next question about the pies, you know, let's just move this along. And yeah. I don't think it's good enough. You know, I think we need to, um, you know, we need to make the point, you know, because it's, to me, you know, Lowell and, and Co, they're custodians of the club. They're not the club. You know, the club is... You know the fans and the the Celtic supporters clubs, and it's the people that are buying the merch and all the rest of it. You know, it's it's not you know it's not these guys that you know will be gone. You know, in, at some point in the future. See, see, my view is that rather than you know telling us that we need to spend more money, um, this this tells me, and I think I mentioned this previously, that we just don't have the right people working at the club. Um, you know. Mm -hmm. We don't have the right people who know where to spend the money to make it work for us. We don't have the right scouting in place. We don't have the right recruitment team in place um, because you know the, the scout, the, the recruit, the scouting over the close season this year has been absolutely shambolic, uh, and the transfer strategy made no sense at all. You know, bringing bringing Quan in from McLean second division, uh, bringing Marco Tillio in, he's disappeared without a trace. Um, and obviously, the scouting of these guys has got to be questioned. It really does. Um, and that tells me that, you know, there's issues within the club all through it. And you look at the, the makeup of the board, you look at the makeup of the, the operation side of the club, and it just doesn't, nobody there that fills you with confidence that they know what they're doing. You know, guys like, you know, Brian Wilson that have been there hanging around Celtic for years and years. What, what is he bringing to the party? You know, absolutely nothing. Um, you know, Michael Nicholson, he's a lawyer, he's a lawyer, you know, he's not a, a man of vision, he's not a sports administrator with a, with a history of growing sporting brands, which is what we need, and Matt Lowell, you know, is he is he what he said he was, or what they told us he was when they recruited him, or is he only there because his second name's Lowell, you know, I think I know the answer to that, and I think it's becoming clear every day. Yeah. See, I, I have to say, I, I'm, I'm going to challenge you a bit on that, Stevie, so Look, 
another project that we're working on is this transfer scorecard, you know, kind of thing, you know, because basically I think, what is it, 50%, 50% of all signings will be successful. That's the kind of general rule. And I, I was always curious, oh, if you look at Ange's transfer dealings, you know, it felt like far better success rate than 50%. And it's, as it turns out, you know, just by count, you know, it is around about 50%. But if you look at the spend that he actually did, all his high spend has been successful. But anyway, put that to one side. If you actually look at the transfer window that we've just had, Naroki, I think he came in as a, a starter. You know, I think he was purchased as a as a starter, you know, um, to directly replace Starfield. Palmer, you know, I think he's, you know, now showing, you know, a lot of really positive signs. Lagabielka, I think, has been unlucky. You know, he doesn't, he didn't fill me with confidence when I saw him, but he, he feels like a, a backup. Holm, yeah, I don't think he's quite found his place yet. Yang, you know, I think is, you know, showing strong signs. So, I don't think we've done badly in the transfer window this year. It's just, to Willie's point, you know, the, the top spend was five million on, you know, the centre back. You know, we're all crying out for a left back and for a goalkeeper and for, you know, probably for a forward. You know, because we know that we're going to be stuck when the Asian Cup's on. You know, if, to me, it, it just feels like an okay window, but not not spectacular, but certainly not a disaster, in in my view, anyway. I think the next window is is a telltale one. I mean, Brendan mm. Rodgers isn't here to manage the slow decline of Celtic. He's here to make a mark in Europe, and I think we, we really need to see the board come out and back him, or yeah. Brendan Rodgers might turn around and question the board at that stage. I yeah. mean, I said it a couple of weeks ago that Quentin Marlin was a, a left-back we looked at. I think we discussed him, Stevie, seven or eight million, the French boy. And we turn around, whether there was anything in it or not, whether it just says, oh, no, it's a bit too much money to spend now. You've got Man City and Bayern Munich sniffing around him, going, what's this player mm-hmm. all about? You know what I mean? And you just sit there and think, well, hang on a second. If he was on our radar last summer and we could have had him for seven or eight million, are you going to turn around and say, well, no, he's above our, he's just a little bit out of our price range? And then you watch big clubs come in and buy him, you're just like, well, that could have been us to giving mm-hmm. the cash to the big money to, not somebody else. Yeah. He needs to be back. Yeah. And he needs to be back properly in the next window. Certainly, a left back and a goalkeeper in this window coming up, or at least earmarked and proper backing mm. in the summer. Because I, I can't see Brendan Rodgers wanting to hang around if he isn't going to get the backing that he was promised. Like that's, that's just mm. the sad truth of it, really. Like you look at our profit margin and just say, well, you get seventy-two million in the bank, and you get a mm. manager who's crying out for certain players for certain positions, and they're just going to turn and go, well, I tell you what, mate, we've got this. Um, Center defensive midfielder Quan from the second division in South Korea. How about you have him instead? And it's just like, doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, I know. I know. All right. And then All right. just the time, um, we'll move on from that. Uh, we'll draw a line under the Celtic accounts and then we'll have some uh, a bit of light relief, shall we? Uh, and we'll have a look at <laughs> yeah. the, the, the accounts in, in inverted commas from across the city. So I'll pull this one up yeah. and uh, we can have a look at this, Steve. So the, I, I'm not going to go through this line by line. I think we can probably just jump to the right, if you like. So there, EBITDA was an £8 million loss. And just as a reminder, ours was a £41 million profit. Their operating profit loss was £25 million. 
And again, ours was 25 million profit. So 50 million pound difference at that operating profit line. Their profit loss before interest tax, they lost 1.1 million. We made 40.1 million. And their profit loss before tax, 3 million loss. We made 41 million. And then the bottom line profit loss after tax, they lost 4.1 million. Now, the keen listener or viewer will be going, but hang on, they reported a 250k profit. Where does that come from? And honestly, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know the legality of this or, or whatever, but they basically, they took, uh, they called it an operating profit, but they used their own definition of operating profit. So they actually excluded the exceptional items and they included the profit on player sales. So what they were calling operating profit is actually closer to profit loss before interest and tax, if they ex but also excluding the exceptional items, you know, there's 1.3 million legal costs, you know, et cetera. So I honestly don't know how they, how they can justify that. You know, it seems to be they've kind of picked, oh yeah, you know, we want to include the profit on player sales because we sold Bassi and Rebo, I think it was, and um, but we don't want to include the exceptional items, you know. So we'll we'll just we'll have that one, but not that one, and they end up with a two hundred and fifty k operating profit. Bit of a joke, and then also, you know, they they use their own definition of um, the wages to turnover ratio because <laughs> they selectively pick out the first team wages, um, and take that. Uh, compare it to the full turnover um, and they say oh yeah you know we're running at 51 percent whereas actually they're they're at 76 percent so what is it you said 80 percent yeah. will get alarm bells ringing with fifa so they're, they're i think so not far I, off yeah no no they're not um i think it is willie i would need to check but i think that's what um uh and i know sorry they've changed the They've changed the the kind of criteria now. I think it's the major focus now is um, allowable losses over a three year period. Um, yeah. You know, and I think you know there's certain things you can exclude. You know, so if you've got an academy, you can exclude that, or you know, whatever it is. You know, but I think that's more the focus rather than just the the ratio. You know, that it used to be. But look, regardless, <laughs> and the thing that. I don't know. The thing that riles me is, you know, the press are just absolutely complicit in this. You know, yeah, they know they they know that you know this is hardly a you know a robust set of accounts or whatever. You know, but there's no questions asked. There's no you know there's no querying of this. You know, it's just absolutely nod nod sagely move on. You know, and and. We'll, and, we'll just ignore the fact they're hemorrhaging money left, right, and centre. Yeah. And part of me, Willie, thinks, oh, that's terrible, you know, blah, blah, blah. But frankly, they're probably going to end up the same as the old club, you know. And, yeah. and the press didn't exactly um, cover themselves in glory with their investigative journalism leading up to that yeah. either, you know. So part of me thinks, well, you know, it's up to them. So I, think, so, I think it's worth pointing out as well that this was in a year that they qualified for the Champions League groups. Yes. Um, so we, we've already sort of mentioned that that's worth about twenty million uh, pounds uh, extra, on, yeah. on your on your uh, extra. 
Um, and he also reported 20-odd million in player sales profit, mm. um, which is a you know, decent, decent enough sum of money mm. uh, profit from players, more than we reported. Um, but if you take those two figures out of their accounts, which, you know, they might, they might be a year where they can't sell a player, if they, yeah. you know, mm. it's happened to us before where we don't sell any players and they don't qualify for the Champions League. You know, where, where does that put them? If they, if they don't qualify for the Champions League and... Um, yeah. which they didn't this year um, and, and they can't sell a big player where does that put their well, accounts next year? Well, no, no, you no. look at it next year their, their player mm-hmm. impairment the guy the accountant is going to be sitting is Dessers two S's or one S? What about Lammers? Is that two S? <laughs> yeah. One M? One E? Double R's? No Willie Willie they've got McCausland they'll, they'll, they'll be pumping oh, him as the as the next great sale you know and yeah. No, you're right though. I mean, let's let's just do that, right? So just just very quickly, the year before this, I think they they got to the Europa League final. That was the year before that, wasn't it? And then yep. they you know they sadly you know missed out on that. Um, but that pretty much getting to the Europa League final, pretty much gave them the same revenue as a Champions League year. Yeah. So if you take twenty million off the revenue you know, because they maybe have a more average Europa League campaign, let's say, just for argument's sake, and you take 20 million off the profit on player sales, the reality is they're they're looking at a profit loss after tax of about 45 million. You know, it's, it's you know, it's pretty dire, you know, and... That's it. You're into administration territory then, surely. Yeah. If you report I mean, that sort of loss, uh, given that their, you know, their, their, their revenue is only eighty three million, if they report a loss of forty million, um, then surely the, the, there's got to be some 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 concerns about their their ability to operate. Yeah, no amount of soft loans is going to cover that. Like, oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, exactly. Stevie, I was right, just going to say, no amount of soft loans is ever yeah. going to cover that million loss. Like. But just in that scenario, so let's imagine FY24, right? So this season, they have a more average European Europa League campaign. So let's say they maybe get out of the groups but fail uh, in the first knockout stage, just for argument's sake. Their revenue would probably be closer to, say, 65 million, right? So you take 20 million off the revenue line. And then also, Let's say they're only selling five million pounds worth of profit on player sales, you know. So they've got another twenty million missing there. You're effectively, I think, you'd, you'd be right about forty million loss after tax. Um, and I think to your point, Steve, if and Molly's point, yeah, you know, if if this, the directors and the soft loans aren't coming in to that extent, you know, you, you'd have to question their viability, you know, at that point. The exceptional items will go up too because they're getting two penalties a game this season, are they not? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the other thing is, I, I mean, that's actually, that's a really good point, Willie. I meant to mention this. So they've made no provision whatsoever. So normally, you know, if you've got a big court case looming, you know, and you're thinking, oh, you know, yeah, you know, we could be on the hook here, you would normally make what's called a provision in your accounts, you know, where you'd say, oh, and we're setting aside, you know, five million pounds just in case this court case goes against us. They've got no provisions. And 
it feels like they've got more court cases than Donald Trump. You know, so they, you know, they they must be absolutely breaking it, <laughs> you know, which is terribly sad. Um, but yeah. so would they come back as the third Rangers and play at Caskin Park? Mm. Third Ranger, Rangers, yeah. Yeah. That's got a ring to it. That would make, yeah. that would make sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's hoping but, then. So, yeah. um, like, I think, I mean, far be it from me to, to stand up for Rangers in any way, shape or form, but it's a real juxtaposition from how Celtic are ran, though, isn't it? And that we won't spend, you know, we can spend money on players, but won't. Mm. They can't spend money on players, but do. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And their wage bills higher than ours. So, if anything, you you can you, can, you know obviously that you know that's not a good way to run up any kind of business. But you know they are trying to sort of close bridge the gap between them and us. And they obviously they're being run like a startup, aren't they? Where you just accrue losses and a hope that the growth is coming down the mm-hmm. line somewhere. But you know football's a a, a very difficult business to, to 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 sort of achieve results in, and if they don't come for them, then that you know they'll just they'll just go down the toilet like the last club. So when you say they're I've, being run like a startup, are you referring to twenty twelve startup or? Yeah, well, they are. That's effectively what they are, really, isn't it? <laughs> after their sorry, got into full Celtic da mode. Uh, sorry, Willie. Yeah, that's right, after yeah. the uh, like I say, after their summer spending this summer, I can't see where that's going to come. Any profit's going to come from? I mean, that's losses, big losses coming their way. Like you know what I mean? Hmm. And I've heard a bit of chat about the Everton's troubles. Uh, yeah. how they might be related to to the Nathan Patterson transfer, who was absolutely mm. pish for Scotland the other night. There, yeah. I should hesitate to ask. I mean, if they, they might have spent sixteen million on him, if sixteen pound for him would have been a, would have been robbery. But anyway, how do we think that's going to affect Rangers? In terms of what they'll do, I yeah. Mean, they, in terms they, of you know, are they are they are they are they, are they are they implicit? Are they complicit? Sorry, and this oh, sort of like whatever the, shenanigans are going on. Yeah, I must admit, I listen to. I don't particularly love it, but the the podcast, The Price of Football, you know, with Kieran Maguire, and they did like a pretty deep dive on Everton, um, and they mentioned Parson and passing. I think, or you know, they have these two mystery players, player X and player Y, one of whom. You know, there's some kind of legal case going round. You know, I think for misbehaviour rather than anything else. Um, but I don't think it's kind of really central to the story. I don't think so. You know, but um, yeah. it's a bit of a mess. So you know, and they're just. It feels like they. It feels like they had about twenty different things. You know, where they basically broke the rules, or they were trying to point to this as an excuse or whatever. But what was more interesting was they got to the end of it, and then they they basically said, "Oh yeah, and you know, Chelsea and Man City will be watching this very closely." You know, because basically they're you know they're they're almost certainly going to be charged and almost certainly going to have points deducted as well. So you kind of think, God, imagine that a sporting authority that actually looked at you know, financial shenanigans and um, and actually understood that a sporting advantage was gained by, yeah. you know, by doing so. Very strange. Be interesting if they strip titles from Man City, wouldn't it? 
Mm. The president would be set then, wouldn't it? Yeah. I reckon they would just bury it in the sand, like, oh, I don't see here. It'll blow over. We'll come out when it does. I look forward to your mate, the Swiss yeah. Rambo, looking into the, the Rangers accounts for the year. I don't know if he's done that one yet, but I'm, I'm sure that, he has. that one's coming down. Yeah. The no, he has, oh, done. He has done it. Um, right. Yeah, I can't remember how he put it. He, he pretty much said what you were saying, you know, in terms of, you know, this was a, a good year for Rangers, you know, in terms of, yeah. you know, European revenue, uh, Champions League, uh, big player sales, you know, and they they basically lost money. You know, he doesn't feel the need to toe the line of a two hundred and fifty k profit. <laughs> um, you know, he's, you know, so I think he was he didn't he didn't you know shout disaster from the rooftops, but I think he was pretty uh, you know pretty clear that you know they had a lot of favourable wins and you know they still lost money. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, with that, uh, we'll probably draw the draw the podcast to a close. That was good, very informative and, and good fun. So thanks, Steve, uh, and thanks, Willie. Um, look forward to doing another one of these uh, deep dive podcasts in, in, in the weeks to come. We, we really have to get them more regularly going. Um, and if you're watching or listening on your on your uh, podcast platform, please like and subscribe. Um, if you want to join the conversation or tell us that we're talking rubbish, or, or agree with us, or tell us whether we're really doing a great job, you can reach out to us on our social media, uh, which is along the top of the screen there, um, and in the episode notes. So thanks very much, guys, and enjoy the rest of the week, and hail, hail. Podcast Network.